0: Welcome to Tice Talks, where we discuss all things faith and family. And today's topic is going to be a little bit deeper, and it's going to be something that little ears may not want to hear, you may not want them to listen in, or it may be also something that you might say, you know, if you've gone through something tragic that you feel like, I'm not ready to hear this. um, We are going to be discussing about where babies go when they die. Um, so we're gonna be discussing some some pretty traumatic experiences that people have had um, with their babies passing away, um, with children um, going on to the next life. And we wanted to let you know ahead of time if there is something that you think, hey, I'm not really ready to know this yet, um, you may want to skip on to the next lessons. But this is a very vital um, episode for people to understand that God has a place and a purpose for your baby that may have been stillborn, or your baby that you may have miscarried, or your baby who um, there have, may have been some abuse and neglect um, by somebody else uh, to your child or somebody else's child, and you wonder where is my baby?
1: There can there is no greater tragedy nothing more tragic that can happen to a family uh or to an individual than to lose a infant child or uh, a child a young child uh, i it is a it's a heart-wrenching thing to walk into the room of a man or woman or and uh, in a, in a hospital room and see a little baby who is going to soon pass away or has, uh, passed away through some accident or some abuse. I can remember, I can remember years ago walking into a hospital, uh, a lady, um, whom I had not met, uh, asked us to come because, uh, her baby had been physically abused and, um, The husband had gotten drunk and come into the home and uh, because the baby was not behaving the way he thought that baby Mm -hmm. should behave in his drunken madness he beat that child to death Mm -hmm. what a horrible horrible thing and now there's a mother crying saying where is my child what's happened to my child what's what what am I gonna do and at that time, uh, you feel like there's no words that you can say, yeah. but there is the Word of God, mm-hmm. and there is comfort in the Word of God, whether it's a a child who dies from abuse, as in that story, or whether it's a child that's stillborn, or like you said, uh, a miscarried child, or uh, whatever the situation is. Losing a baby, losing a newborn, losing a child at any age is a horrible, is a horrible thing. I I recently talked to a woman whose adult child went to heaven. And mm-hmm. uh, what a, I, again, it's never good, easy to lose a child. But the question is, does the Bible teach that if a child before the age of accountability, and we'll talk about a little bit about that, um, that a child that dies before the age of accountability, will that child go to heaven, or or does that child go to hell? And there's only two choices. There are some who teach that they go to an in-between place. Um, uh, there, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that. The Bible tells us that when we leave this physical body, our souls either go to one of two places, heaven or hell. And we see that very clearly in the story of Luke chapter 16, the, the rich man who died and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and Lazarus who was in Abraham's bosom. So where then does a child who doesn't have understanding, what happens to that child? Well, there are three things, things that we teach concerning this. Number one, uh, we, we'll talk about the testimony of the Old Testament patriarch, David. Uh, we'll talk about his story. Then we'll talk about the character of God. And then we'll talk about what Paul taught about about these things. And I think they'll answer, these, these scriptures will answer the question.
0: So when we say, where do babies go, when they die, you just said that they go to either heaven or hell. If you guys have some questions about heaven and hell, because um, before, in the New Testament, before Jesus Christ came and he died and rose again, before he came here, there was a place for people to go. And we discussed that in episode 83, Where Did Jesus Go When He Died?, and that place is called Sheol. So if you say, Hey, I, I, I would like to know a little bit more about heaven and hell, and you want to know where people go, where Jesus went, where he died, when he died, um, this will give uh, some really good um, information before you dive into where babies go when they die. And that's episode 83 Where did Jesus go when he died?
1: Yeah, we, might, we need to make it clear that the Bible says we're all sinners that because we're sinners, nobody deserves to go to heaven. But The Bible says that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. And he didn't want us to, to have to go to hell because of our sin. But God's justice says that sin has to be paid for by death. And that's spiritual death, separation from God forever in hell. So the Bible tells us that though we're sinners and we deserve to go to hell, and God's justice demands that our sin be paid for by eternal death or hell, God didn't want us to have to pay for our own sin, so God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, and he came to this earth and he died to pay the penalty of our sin. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses, and then he went back to heaven. Now, the way I assure, I can be assured of going to heaven is by coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that you died for me. You were buried for me. You rose from the dead for me. And I want to receive what you did for me. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior and God. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast them out. And then uh, Paul said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So in order to get saved, I have to know that I'm a sinner, call on Jesus, ask him to save me, and when I do that, I go to heaven. Now, when I die, but what about the baby? The baby does, he doesn't does know. He doesn't know that he's a sinner, hasn't acknowledged any of that, doesn't, doesn't come to have that knowledge. So what happens when a baby dies? Well, from the testimony of David in the Old Testament, we, we understand, remember this, that David uh, uh, had an affair with a woman named Bathsheba. He backslid, did the wrong thing, and um, uh, she winds up getting pregnant. He, in his rebellion or his disobedience to God, he tries to cover that up, and in covering it up, he has his friend Bathsheba's husband sent to the front lines where he is killed. So basically, David murdered his friend to cover up his sin of immorality with Bathsheba. He then marries Bathsheba, but God said, because of your sin, this baby's not going to live. David decides he's going to plead with God for the baby's life and he pleads with God and he pleads with God for the baby's life and he fasts for several days but the baby dies after he fasts and after after the they come in and they tell him your baby's dot di- your baby died uh he gets up he washes himself and he says bring me some food and and the people look at him and say why you were you were in mourning, and you were praying, that that and fasting before the baby died. Now the baby died, and you and you're going to get up, and you're going to eat, and it's all over. And his response was this: in verse twenty-two of Second Samuel chapter uh, chapter twelve, Bible says, and he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said who can tell whether god will be gracious to me that the child may live verse 23 but now he is dead wherefore should i fast can i bring him back again i shall go to him but he shall not return to me hmm. so he said i'm going to go where he is and so we believe that abraham that that David went to Abraham's bosom. David went to the place of the righteous dead. So he said, "Where he's going, is where I'm. Where he is, I will be going there." And the indication is, he's got life. He's got protection. We told you, you kids, uh, while you were growing up, that before you got saved, you were safe. Mm-hmm. You were protected, and we would have you pray every day, "Lord, save me when I'm old enough to understand." And that's, that's, I think, so important. According to the testimony then of David, uh, his child went into the protecting hands of the Lord hmm. when he passed away. So that's, number one, you have the testimony of Christ. Second thing that I tell people is this. We also have the character of God. Hmm. The Bible tells us that God protects little children. In fact, he wants little children to come to him. In, uh, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 14, the disciples were trying to keep little kids away from him, and he said, suffer or allow the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. He loves little children. In fact, he says in Mark chapter 9 that if you offend one of these little children, it'd be good if a millstone were hung about your neck and you were cast into the sea. Hmm. So the character of God is protective of small children. Noah, God's going to destroy the entire world, and, uh, but except for one man, Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace. It doesn't say that Shem, Ham, or Japheth found grace hmm. in his eyes, but th- those children of Noah were spared because Noah found yeah. grace in the eyes of the Lord. Lot, when God said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he went in and the angels bring out Lot and his two children that were still in his household. Mm. They came out with him. And you just see this picture over and over. You see the character of God protecting his people and his people's children. Yeah. And so, God, just knowing the character of God, we have the testimony of David, number one. We also have the character of God. You just look at him over and over. He's protecting children. He's watching out for children.
0: When you said um, the Bible talks about suffer the little children, those verses, when we um, started doing public school Bible club and we went through the training for Good News Club, um, it was about seven years ago. We sat there and, um, you know, we've sat through child training stuff since I was a child because we'd have to go through all these training episodes and everything. And then my husband was the children's pastor for almost 15 years here. So we had done these things. It was just, okay, we're going to sit and listen to something that I've already known before. Uh, the The teacher explained that the, the words that they come from when it's talking about suffer the little children— when the specific words are geared towards toddlers that we're supposed to allow our toddlers our our two, three, four five those those children we should be encouraging to go to Christ. And I thought that's so beautiful. it gives such a um a understanding of where God's heart is, like you said. The character of God, He wants our children, and I appreciate something that every family should implement is having their children and you praying for your children's salvation. It's just a practical thing that you should do. I remember when I was eight years old, I started. A- I I added my future children to my prayer list <laughs> because. Yes. I thought so I have been praying I was
1: going to say that's cute but that's really wonderful.
0: Yeah, so, so I've been praying for my kids for the past 30 almost 33 years that on my that my children would be saved when they're old enough to understand and that they would live for the Lord and live pure lives that honor Jesus. The that's just and I have old prayer books that have that in before I was even but that that came not because oh you know my 8-year-old mind thought about it it's because you guys prayed for us every night you came and you prayed um, at, our, at our doors. You prayed for us and our future spouse. We pray for our salvation that we'd get saved when we old, were old enough to understand. So I prayed that and all through. So even if you say, you know, I don't have any kids or um, I don't have, you know, we don't have children yet or maybe you have a three or four-year-old, start praying now with them for their salvation, that they will live their lives according to God's Word. And that I just think that's one of the most practical things. If you don't get anything out of this, start praying for that. Because once they do get to the age of accountability, once they get to the point where they can understand, they will choose. They have—and you want the Holy Spirit working in their lives as much as possible and give them every opportunity to trust Christ— but it is neat that the character of God says, hey, no, I want I want children protected. Yes. I want them with me. And I love David's testimony. It's such a horrible story. But that's what's beautiful out of all of it is that we get to have that testimony.
1: That grace, too. Yeah. When you see the grace in the Old oh, Testament. Oh, yes. That's, that's amazing. So, oh, God's
0: grace. Yes. yes. Through the uh, all of that, that God is—he's uh, so gracious. I always—every time I read the Old Testament, I'm like, God is— so i I hear people say the wrath of the Old Testament of God. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Those people deserve so much more yeah. <laughs> like he just constantly showed his tender love and grace and patience with these people, and it reminds me of how <laughs> how grace much I need it. yes, he yes. is with us, so the testimony of David, the character of God himself
1: then number three, you have the teaching of Paul, the apostle. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Corinthians were writing to Paul. It's, it's obvious by the way he responds. He says in chapter uh, 7 and verse 1, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. So they wrote to him, asking him about certain things. And the the questions were, How do we avoid fornication? How do we avoid sexual sin? We've, we've got all these weird backgrounds. It's not like Jesus when he was dealing with the Jewish believers in Matthew chapter 19. He said, we got got all these backgrounds, and how do we uh, stay away from sexual sin? And so he writes to them, and he gives them the answers, tells them step by step what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And I think we covered all that in a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. But when he gets down to the question of, what if I'm married to an unbelieving husband? Or what if I'm married to an unbelieving spouse or wife? Then, then what about that? What about my husband? What about my wife? Should I divorce my wife? Should I divorce my husband if they're unbelievers? And he answers the question uh, by saying this. He says, to the rest speak I, not to the Lord. That is, not. he's not saying this is not inspired. He's saying, I'm gonna tell you something that Jesus in his physical body didn't address. Mm-hmm. If any brother have a wife, that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So divorce is not sanctioned uh, if, you, if you're married to an unbelieving spouse, just for that reason. Then he says, Why? For the unbelieving husband is sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart. That is, God's going to be dealing with that that uh, that husband by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Now listen to this statement. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. And the word holy means to be set apart, to be protected. So there's a teaching there. An indication there that God protects mm. our children, even from you get that from the Apostle Paul. So, so you have the testimony in the Old Testament of David, uh, his son, who which, which was born in infidelity. He said, "I'm going to where he is," and uh, and and we believe David's in heaven. Uh, we you have the character of God, and then you have this teaching of the Apostle Paul that believers who have children are, even if you're married to an unsaved person, that those children are set apart, they're protected, there's a protection on them. Hmm. So I love what you said. We, I encourage people, uh, I encourage parents to do this. If you want your children to get saved at a young age, first of all, dedicate them to the Lord. Take them in a public place and dedicate them to the Lord and dedicate yourself to raising them for him. And then number two, have them in church as often as possible hmm. where they're being yes. so that they're they're getting values they're getting their understanding that church is important and that they they they're going to get Christian friends and their life is centered around the body of the Lord Jesus Christ which is the local church mm-hmm. so have them there dedicate them have them in church teach them the bible have Christian music in their homes and then uh, pray for them every day, like you said, pray for them that they'll, that they 'll get saved at a young age, and let them hear you talk about them. When you were born, and every one of your siblings were born, I held you in my hand, told you how to get saved yeah. in the, uh, right after you were born, uh, and we started praying for you as soon as we found out uh, that you were going to be born. start praying that you would be saved at a young age and that and when you do that, it brings a child to a point when they're about four or five years old, they'll start asking questions. Their cognitive reasoning uh, begins to develop. They'll start asking On questions. On their own. Yes, yes. they'll yes. start asking questions, mm-hmm. and they'll When, get can, I saved. Get saved?
0: when yeah. can I get saved? When can I get saved? And, and then, they do.
1: Then you have an opportunity to share with them the gospel.
0: I think what you said about just talking to your children about all the things, just like God says in Deuteronomy. Just talk to them about God and how he reacts to all of these things, because God doesn't react. He responds to all the things that are going on in life, and he teaches, he has an example of how we are supposed to respond, and it's with grace and with truth. And if we're not talking to our kids about these things, we're going to see in our own Christian circles just something that we don't want to see in our children's lives.
1: That's true. That's true. So, the question today was where do children go when they die? I hope that this these words and this truth will be a help to you and a help to those who you talk to about this subject. Uh, the Bible, I think, is very clear, and uh, I'm so thankful for it. I want to read to you a poll I wrote some time ago uh, because my daughter was growing up and this is what I wrote. If I were your daddy, here's what I'd do. I'd spend lots of time just loving on you because when I get older, I'd like to say that our time together was life filled each day. That we had such fun as I watched you grow like times in the sun and fun in the snow like running and walking and singing all day or singing or sitting and talking and watching a play. Like time spent together as we walk, talk about life, helping you make it through your times of strife. Like helping you find life's perfect mate, rejoicing with you as you set the big date. So when I look back, I wouldn't be blue that I wasted my time because I spent it with you. Aww. Isn't that a nice?
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful poem. Spend I time with
1: your children. If, your chil- if you had, uh, if you know somebody who unfortunately lost a child, let them know they're in the hands of God and that they'll see them again.
0: Remember, this is Tice Talks,
1: and it's more than a conversation.